0: Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your hosts, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. What's up, everyone? Ryan Ray here, Josh Shelton. Once again, has the day off. And are you surprised? I'm not. He, um, I don't know where he's at, probably in Fiji or Thailand or, or somewhere cool like that. But today I am in here grinding it out for you. And we have a really, really good episode for you. We bring on the folks from Talk Texas Oil. If you're not familiar with them, they are all over social media. Just use the hashtag Talk Texas Oil and you will find them in Instagram, Twitter, or wherever else you may be. We're talking about um, not only Texas Oil, but the E3 Summit, which is coming up in Abilene, Texas. We will link to that event in the show notes so you can check it out so without further ado here's my interview with the folks who run talk texas oil well Catherine and Kristen, it's uh it's been a pleasure to interact with you guys on social media y'all are so active with talk texas oil and uh, just to kind of see what all you have going on and so it's an honor for you to be on the show thank you all so much for coming on
1: thanks for having us ryan yes thank you for having us this afternoon
0: Okay. So let's kind of get into it here. Um, Talk Texas Oil. What, what does that mean? What does it represent? Who is Talk Texas Oil for the listeners who may not have seen you on social media? And if you're in Texas Oil and you haven't seen you guys, I don't know where you've been because you guys are everywhere. But for those who may not be familiar with the with the hashtag and the movement, what is it and how did it start?
1: Well, it's, it's really just a group of us that um, it was a handful of oil and gas experts and individuals that are very committed to the energy sector as a whole that had a lot to say. And we were like, well, what do you do with a lot of people like that? So we just decided to take the conversation to social media and, and launched, um, talk to Texas oil with I think six or seven different experts. We, we come from different backgrounds. So our expert in the energy field, um, is, is very diversified. It's not all just EMP or pipelining or, you know, upstream, downstream, midstream, we cover everything. And, um, we decided to launch it on Inauguration Day, looking at basically the new administration coming in, regardless of, of um, who you voted for, was going to obviously affect the energy sector. And what did we think of that um, coming from our different backgrounds? So that's where we really got started. And it, it had a really good, um, it was a successful campaign. And, and we started getting involved in more, you know, helping out with Texoga's Energy Day in Austin, along with everyone else. And um had a lot of folks following up with Kristen and, and Kimberly and and um, Spencer Bennett and Chris Holcomb and a lot of the folks that are on um, Talk Texas Oil, asking us different questions and saying, Hey, you know, how else could we help generate discussion and how could we, you know, lend expertise or momentum to an event. Um, Regardless of whether that event's in Houston, um, I, I know Kimberly's done a STEM event over in Atlanta, Georgia, but really focused on on Texas and lending that momentum to events and, and engaging all levels of leadership.
2: Yes, and with Talk Texas Oil, it's, it's such a beautiful concept because it really does connect the, the different sectors between, um, you know, upstream, downstream, midstream – And we kind of focus too on connecting with the people in the field, especially on social media, um, because there's kind of a disconnect between the corporate and in the field. And um, I work in oil, you know, oil country tubular goods. So um, pipe yards and being on the rigs and knowing your, um, you know, the people that are inspecting your pipe and the quality of the professionalism, the expertise and how far it goes. We just really connected with um, Catherine in the West Texas Energy Consortium. they have a um, welding center of excellence there, and they really help educate kids and push them through, and kind of get them focused on STEM, not just like the petroleum engineering side, but you know, I mentioned um, the pipeline. I mean, it—they it, are the pipeline in Texas, um, connecting education to um, the oil and gas industry. So we're just uh, lucky to be a part of that, and to have Catherine on our team. And there's, like she said, six or seven of us that are just pushing forward, and. We're on all different um, channels on social media, and we each post our own individual, but we're all connected through Talk Texas Oil and our hashtag, and we are just pushing forward for Pro Energy News.
0: Okay, and you mentioned the West Texas Energy Consortium. Now, just so I'm clear, are y'all directly affiliated? Some of y'all are affiliated, or, or what's exactly the link there?
1: Um, I'm I'm the executive director for Talk Texas Oil, um, Talk uh, or I'm sorry for West Texas Energy Consortium, the Talk Texas Energy Oil Group. I just participated in as a social media expert okay. coming gotcha. from a, a different background, promoting education and workforce, and looking at um, the financial and political climate that that affects energy industry.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so Talk Texas Oil, so let's Talk Texas Oil. What is going on? What's the big news? There's a lot of uh, you know fear in the market right now as um, we're recording this on June 26th, and you know the it's, it's a bearish market. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people were kind of concerned that it prices may actually go into the thirties. What are you guys hearing out there as far as, um, you know, Texas oil?
1: Well, for me out here in in the West Texas area and looking at, um, lease, uh, looking at leases and looking at large amounts of, of acreage being traded on and off, um, there, you know, every, every week out here you hear of another company buying, you know, millions of dollars or billions of dollars worth of acreage from another company. Uh, um, Kimberly and I attended an event out in the Permian last Thursday, and some of the executives, you know, you hear, you know, talking around the table, it's that, you know, hurry up and let's wait and see. I didn't get the sense that there was a, you know, widespread panic. There was some of that, well, is, is this a bubble? But for right now, the plans that they had come up with at the beginning of the year, as far as their um, budget and their strategic plan, they're still moving ahead with, and I, I didn't really hear anything from folks saying that they were going to back down. They are being cautious and they are very much listening to what's going on um abroad and how that could possibly affect um deals that they would be making in the future on on a local scale.
0: Yeah, and you know one of the things there I think that's interesting is um it seems that a lot of the experts agree that you know the prices right now they're going to get low and um you know because inventory is rising. But it seems to be a consensus that that as soon as this kind of magical spot's going to happen, where the price is going to go so low that the inventory will you know stop building up, and then the inventory they're expecting to seem to, to decline pretty quickly, which means that we're going to kind of be in a roller coaster mindset where you know prices will go up and then prices will go down. Um, and, and just from my perspective, as long as that kind of hits. In the right spot of the year, I think the industry will be okay because, like you point out, you know we set the drilling schedule and the budgets, you know, beginning of the year. And so, as long as these mm-hmm. the, these you know um, high inventory, low prices kind of hit you know third quarter and not drag out to late fourth quarter, early first quarter of eighteen, I think we'll be okay. It's just really a timing issue because we don't want companies setting their yearly budget, you know, first quarter and the, and the, the price of oil is thirty dollars barrel. You know, so, it, so I think it's really going to be a timing issue to kind of see what happens moving forward.
1: Definitely. And I think it's, it um, definitely will play into some of those larger companies and those companies that were able to ex- absorb a lot of the um, credit risk that they took early on. And, and then when the downturn hit, they were still able to stay afloat. I think some of the ones that have struggled, we probably won't see them you know, uh, come back to the level that we expected. But I think for the folks that are out here and looking at the, the rigs that are drilling and the activity, because there, I mean, constantly, constantly driving over there Wednesday and Thursday. There, there was a lot of activity in the Permian. You know, a lot of, uh, I, I saw an, up, um, an uptick in activity versus when I was over there, say October, uh, for another event. That, you know, there didn't seem to be as much. And also, you know, you're, you can always tell um, how much activity is affecting um, the infrastructure in other towns and how well things are being received. Is the waits at restaurants and then also, you know, renting, you know, renting hotel space anytime I need to go over there. I never really had a problem finding a hotel room or even finding a hotel room at a, decent, at a decent price. This past time, um, my usual hotel that I stay at that's very nice, I'm comfortable with, the price tag attached to it was kind of hefty. So I thought, no, let me look around. And they're all starting to starting to get that way. And that's the way it was previously, you know, in 2009, 2010, when things were kicking off.
0: Right now, Kristen, you're on the private sector like I am, and so what do you what do you guys feel about the market? Or y'all, um, you know, it, it, it seems that you know as as the vendors out here, we we come out and we go, okay, we're excited about the year, and then we 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 spend a lot of time. Working and developing relationships and making connections, and you you see the price kind of fluctuating, and you go, "Oh no, this, this stability, I, I've said it once, i said a hundred times. Just give me stability in the oil price, and I'd be happy. Um, so, from a vendor's perspective, are you guys, you know, kind of like us, going, "Okay, we, we think as long as we can get to the end of 2017, we'll be we'll be doing good." Um, is that kind of what you guys are hearing as well?
2: Well, we kind of we, um, Ron Ron Underwood, the president of the company, he's pretty good at forecasting it out, and he's been in the industry for so long that anticipates it being tough and um, we hold quite tight to our numbers but um, the, the overall I mean we deal more um, we look at the market as far as oil and gas but we also deal with steel so um, you know we're looking at all um, the different um, things that factor that as far as um, you know anti-dumping laws and things of those regulations which change everything considering we don't really have too many U S American steel mills um, right now. So, um, but as far as the outlook for us, I mean, yeah, we, we're looking at, you know, bouncing out probably in the middle of, you know, next year. Um, But we're not not worried too much about it, but I will say though, we've got a lot of people coming into our office. A lot of people's jobs are shifting and, you know, but there is an, there is an up, um, We see a positive note, and everyone's really excited. There's been a lot more work. And as far as, um, you know, the market and it balancing out and stuff, we're all hopeful. But um, it's really hard to tell. I mean, especially with OPEC and everything involved in that, you know, it it goes a little bit further than um, my expertise. But, um, you know, we're sitting okay, and we are along with some of the other um, people that have, you know, went through the ride on the downturn. And um, we're still in the game, and we're proud of that, Um, but we've seen people come and go, so we're just kind of holding on tight to what we have in inventory and um, looking at, you know, our end users and things like that and, you know, sitting pretty tight to the game as far as it's concerned, I guess is what I could say.
0: Right. And you know, it is a badge of honor. It's 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 a badge of honor and it's it's a badge that's sad if you make it through the downturn because you know a lot of good people who, for no reason other than just exactly. bad economics, you know, lost a job and you know, we had to lay some people off and exactly. just about everyone I know lays people off and I've seen some companies that I thought were gonna make it through and I mean I have no i mean I don't know all of why they went out of business, but they went out of business through a downturn and it's just it's so it's one of those things where you're you're right you're you're very proud of it and at the same time you're you're humbled and um you're saddened because yeah. you know of a lot of good people who had to leave the industry because they couldn't get a paycheck and um I want to talk about the e yeah. three summit here in a minute, but I want to talk about social media because one of the things that um that I've noticed is that Um, and I got to pick on oil and gas folks here a little bit is that at least from the corporate (laughs) mindset, oil and gas folks, they, they seem to struggle with the idea of social media and it's very bland. It's very generic. Um, when I deal with renewable folks, it seems that they kind of got a better grasp of what's going on with social and how to interact there. That's why I love you guys, because I got to tag the down on Instagram. Y'all tracked me down on Instagram and tagged me, and there was 4,000 hashtags <laughs> and, you know, all this stuff on there. And so anybody who was remotely interested in what we're talking about, you had a hashtag there for it. Um, and so I, I just loved it, because that's, you know, that's what we need to do as oil and gas professionals, if we're going to get our message out there. So uh, just kind of walk me through y'all's mindset with with social media and, you know, what what, what kind of drives you, and is there one platform that you'd prefer over another? Uh,
2: Well, I guess I'll... um, I I don't know if there's a platform, because we've really done well on all of them, um, and it's different people that it reaches to. Um, We... And, and that's our goal. Um, we want to be the bridge, um, you know, to, and, and we want to bridge all the gaps that are out there. in social media, It's you know, it, it's one of those things where um, when I first started it for our company, I had to convince everyone that we needed it. I had to convince everyone that it was a positive thing. I had to convince everybody that we were fighting the other side on it as far as the anti, you know, oil and gas on social media. So, um, and to put yourself out there, you know, it, it gives you a little bit of vulnerability. Um, but... So we we launched it for our company about four years ago, and we just started growing our pages. And my goal was to have it on um, all my mediums. Um, it was going to be Pro Energy, and then I was just lucky to connect with people like um, Captain Stokes and Kimberly Smith, um, who were advocates on you know on their in their right and on their platforms. On um, they go Twitter and Facebook, and um, I, I speak for Kimberly, but we're on Instagram, Facebook, Periscope. Um, Periscope's really what launched us, um, as far as getting us written up in rig zone. And, um, and I'll just kind of pass it on to Catherine from there.
1: Yeah. What we looked at is because every one of us come with it, not only a different expertise, as far as our, our focus and our commitment to energy, but also an expertise of what we feel comfortable with as far as social media. And so, you know, Kimberly may put something together on her on um, um, on what she's comfortable using as far as the different social media accounts, and she just sends it out. And then you know, we might tag in all of our accounts, and then anything you know, anything new that she might not be doing, you know, whether it's Snapchat or Periscope or, or some of the other um, video pieces. But really, what we wanted to look at as a group was how could we globally broadcast and allow individuals that are in rural communities. You know, international, offshore, like every kind of of um, of uh, geographic or energy expertise um, spectrum and have them involved in the discussion. And I mean, you know, we have folks that are executives or VPs at large ENP groups that know about us and comment, um, and you know we might see them at an event and they comment. And then we have folks that work out in the field that email and um, and tag and comment to, to some of our things on Twitter that, you know, they actually work out in the field. They're doing every day what the engineers are sending down for them to do and, and sending reports back at. So that's what we wanted is to have it much more organic and have every individual uh, involved. And all of those individuals represent such a broad spectrum of the profession that we thought that that would be the best approach to gain some connection, and also to help influence those conversations. Because I know, you know, even just within a within an organization, you have the worker bees that they know what's going on on a daily basis. But, you know, the head bees up here have a different idea. And that happens to all of us. It does not matter what industry you're in, whether you're a profit, nonprofit, public, private sector, you always have that feeling of if they would just ask me what's going on, I could tell them and and the opposite side, which is, If they would just do what I told them, everything would be perfect. Well, there's that disconnect. And so that's really what we saw um, this being for us and just having, I mean, I've learned a lot from Kristen, from Spencer, from Chris, just because um, they're involved in so many different things that when you see some things that they record and they put out there, then you email and you follow up with questions. You're like, hey, explain, explain this a little bit more to me. And so it's, I think it's great for us to be able to do that as individuals and realize that we're starting that conversation with other people, um, and, um, other individuals. And, and it, it goes everything from, you know, high school graduates to individuals that are master's level or PhD engineers that are interested in the conversation. I think that's a great way to open up some of those barriers and barriers that we've put in place ourselves. There's nothing, um, there's no gates that are really close saying you can't enter here. We just kind of, you know, socially put those up ourselves as individuals.
0: Right. And I think one of the things about the oil and gas industry is if you're not inside of it, you view it as if you're not an outsider and you're not really thinking, you know, you're not day to day, like you're saying, in the in the business working, you think of, you know, an Exxon, a Shell. You think of these huge oil and gas companies, because that's all you ever hear about in the news for the most part. And you think of, you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars. And the industry is made up of folks that are just regular folks like me and you. And a lot of the companies compared to a Shell Are very small they're just mom and pop small businesses compared to what a shell is and and so the i think the outside perspective at least on oil and gas is that it's you know the billionaires sitting around and obviously there's you know billionaires in the industry but but there's a lot of folks who again compared to what a shell or an exxon is they're just average companies and you know i could i don't want to throw any names here but there's you know EMP operators who don't have a billion dollar budget—they're just trying to make it along—and so being able to tell that narrative is one of the things I think that the oil and gas community could do is get rid of—it's all corporate, it's all CEOs, it's all suits, and it's all corrupt people behind closed doors. It's for the most part—it's just average folks like me and you, just sitting here talking and trying to get energy to people.
2: That's exactly what it is. It's consi- it, and that's what it consists of. It's hardworking, focused, um, energy-driven people. And there's just so many different facets of it. I mean, there's people that drill water and oil, and are, you know our geoscientists, and in and they're independent oil and gas owners, um, and they run the, you know their family companies. And there's that's one thing too that it's not all corporate. There's a lot of family, um, you know, passed down generation generation oil and gas companies that make up Texas, and um, it being you know. It doesn't always go the corporate side whenever you're talking oil and gas. There's a lot of private sector business that, um, you know, that builds America and 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 produces the number one, you know, we're the number one producer of oil and gas and private sector has a lot to do with that.
0: Okay, so I want to, just one, one final thing on social media. I'm going to throw out what I think of the various platforms. For someone who may be going, okay, I'm thinking about getting social media, my company gets involved. I, I'm going to throw out what kind of what I would think and the pros and cons of each. And then you guys, who are doing it all the time, kind of tell me where I'm right, where I'm wrong, or maybe what I missed. So Facebook, I think Facebook is great for going out and targeting paying dollars to go find people. So if you got a page and you're going to go and you want to find people, Facebook has a huge database that you can use to pay money to find people. The problem is you got to be committed to continue to pay over and over again to get your audience. Reengaged. Um, Twitter, I would say, is the best as far as conversations, finding people around the world who are talking about what you're interested in um, by using hashtags and things like that. The only problem is if you're not a, what I would call a, an advanced Twitter user, user, you don't have the list set up, stuff like that. You can kind of get lost in the noise. Um, YouTube, I think, is great because it's what the second it's a, it's the second or third largest search engine. So you can you know make videos that have the title for exactly what you want to look up. And then Instagram. I think the, the thing about Instagram is um, the pros I love about Instagram is, like I said, y'all could use all those hashtags. The problem is linking's a little bit cumbersome in there, and so that's kind of my thoughts. But what are you guys' thoughts? Strengths and weaknesses on the big social media platforms? Uh, maybe some tips for the listeners who are at an oil and gas company and they're trying to get their boss to get in, get engaged. What would you say? Hey, think about this. This is good. This is bad. I'd
1: say use all of them. And, and, you know, and Kristen I, I does. <laughs> Kristen does. She yeah. will use all of them. I know. <laughs>
2: Whichever one you're comfortable most on and you find um you get the most feedback. I mean each of us are strong are on each of us are strong on different platforms. But I know that um a- anything I've ever put out there it's it's brought inquiries in and it's also highlighted our, our purpose, which you know, for right now is the um, West Texas Energy Consortium. They are having um the E three summit um that we're promoting right now, um as Top Texas oil. So um but I would say I would say to, you know,
0: wherever your main clientele. I mean, LinkedIn is a really strong one as well. Oh uh, yeah. I forgot about
1: LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. And it is one of those things where whatever you feel comfortable using, because I know for some folks, Twitter seems very intimidating because, you know, or you hear people grumble, well, it's only 140 characters. And it was like, well, link it to something else. Like if you've put like a big text, um, right. big text content on Facebook or LinkedIn, just, just link to that and mm-hmm. just do a little highlight. But some of that is not comfortable for individuals. Um, you know, you, say, you have some corporations that because of their corporate, you know, responsibility in-house, they, you know, they don't want Instagram or Snapchat used, you know, because of, of pictures, because of um, confidentiality and things like that. We always say to to do nothing is does more harm than just try <laughs> one, right. know, just try one, try to, you know, try right. two different things, do what is comfortable for you and then expand. Um, and a lot of that is, you know. Especially, I know a lot of it is you might have, you know, some older individuals that um, don't feel comfortable using social media. And I always use, you know, my parents, I use some of the folks that that I've worked with in the past that they're in their 70s, they're in their 80s, they're on social media. For you not to have a presence and someone who is collecting Social Security or collecting their pension is more savvy than that, that, I mean, that's a shame. And it, it is... While there, there is definitely something to be said for the traditional marketing plans, which you know in, involves a lot of old school marketing. There's a lot to be said of, of involving um, social media, and to me, um, that is an option for return on investment. That basically, you're investing some time, not a lot of money. If you don't, if, you know, if you don't want to, it's not you're not spending ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars on an event. Um, um, marketing campaign. It's, you know, what, what can you do now? So I would tell anybody out there that's not involved in any social media, just try one, you know, even if it's just Twitter or get on Periscope and just watch some of the the videos just to see, okay, this, this isn't so bad. I could probably do this and and post something for my company live. Um, you know, that we, we saw some really good educational videos, just looking at like soil, soil sample cores. And there are real short videos that, you know, cost next to nothing, you know, it, it's a it's a cell phone and, you know, push record and then upload. So I, I would say try anything and everything.
0: Right. OK, so I want to talk about the conference, the E3 Summit. Um, I think I will actually be able to sneak in as media for this conference. So I'm hoping to attend. Oh, um yes. But, um, you're also having, um, the Jackie daily show come out and Jackie's going to be there. And so I don't know, I-, I can't imagine why Jackie got a premium invite and I didn't, but I guess, I guess I'm not, I guess I'm not Jackie's status yet. I, I mean, you you're know, good, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not Jackie's, so, uh, so I'll, uh, I don't know. I will have to email her about that and get on her. But um, but tell us about the conference, what's going on, and um, and then explain to my listeners why I wasn't invited as the keynote. So that you know, because I don't look, I don't want you guys getting a lot of hate mail over this. So just go ahead and dispel the myth <laughs> or something. <laughs> right,
2: right. right. You're setting us up. You're setting
1: us up. Yeah. Now, um, what the E3 Summit started out as is more of an educators conference. Um, we, especially out here in, in West Texas, we have a large, large out of the 49 counties that. That the West Texas Energy Consortium covers. I mean, almost all of those are rural communities. Um, our our big hub cities are Abilene, Midland, Odessa, and San Angelo, and they're not over two hundred thousand. So you know, and and maybe in the metroplex they would consider they would consider that rural. We consider rural anywhere from three thousand people or less, and that's most of our communities out here. We have uh, over one hundred seventeen ISDs and um, seven of our um, community, and technical colleges that are are out here. All of those educators have to have some form of professional development. A lot of really, really great conferences that are here in the state are all along the I-35 corridor, and I've been to several of those conferences, uh, presented at them. They are very nice and very well done, but because there's a lot of travel involved or um, um, registration fees are just price prohibitive for some of our, our smaller ISDs to attend. So we wanted to bring something out here that is a little bit you know smaller in concept. It's not three days long, but it, it's something that would allow educators from all over the region to get together and um, do some professional development workshops to have some different um, vendors come in or business and industry meet with them and just have a time for them where it, it's just a convention focused on um, education and professional development. We had last year snuck in a piece that we involved business and industry, and we said, we want you to be here. We want you to have those conversations with educators because these educators are basically growing up your future workforce. And we saw that there was kind of like with you know up, upstream, midstream, and downstream, kind of that disconnect with um, communication. Our educators do a wonderful job educating our, our students across the state but it's there, there was just something missing that we wanted business to be involved in. Um, uh, for instance, one of our um, automotive dealerships, he got together with four other um, professionals in town and went and sat down with the ISDs and said, you know, you're really doing a good job when you're looking at your um, automotive technicians here's something else we're seeing when, when those students graduate and they come to us to get a job. And it was just little things that if if those instructors had known that, the difference that it would have made, and we're, and it uh, by making those subtle changes in the curriculum and what was presented and, and some things that needed to happen in the classroom, it shortened the training time and shortened and um, decreased the dollar amount that that employer had to invest In the training part, because that that's the big part is recruiting and retaining that employee. That's a huge dollar investment for any employer. So this year we've expanded on that and we're still doing the um, professional development for the educators. But we're also opening up um, a larger exhibit area and we're inviting every kind of energy service industry, um, any kind of infrastructure industry uh, we have Gateway Energy Services, Texas Instruments, Heartland Solar. Um, we have a, a wind energy coming, wind energy company coming that we want them to be able to talk to those educators and educators be able to ask them questions, and it's providing expert conversation on STEM education and how that translates to the business and skill sets that that employees need when they come out of the classroom. Um, And we'll have those exhibits open to the public as well because those companies are very, we're very appreciative that they're giving of their time. And it's not a cheap endeavor to travel from out of town or even give up a day, even if you're located here in Abilene, um, to spend at, at a booth. We know that some of them also have current positions that they're looking to fill. And so we're opening this up to the public so that anybody from Abilene or the surrounding area if they're looking for a job to be able to come in or they just want to see, hey, what what these service companies or what what are some of these companies doing that are in town? Because uh, we found there are some companies you didn't even know they were there because they don't have a big storefront or they might be in an industrial park um, that we don't all you know, it's not like going to the mall where you see all all the storefronts. If you're in an industrial park. The only reason you're getting visited out there is because somebody's coming to see you. So a lot of that is to promote promote products, services directly to individuals and institutions, and also just to show the community and our educators, hey, we support you. And we want to be a part of educating our future workforce and um, supporting our future communities.
0: Okay, and where is, uh, what's, what's the link to the website so that the listeners can go and check out this information, which will be the E3 Summit, which is on July 19th in Abilene, Texas, just right down the road from where I'm at. But if you wanted to find out more information, where could they go?
1: I think go to www.e3stem.org.
0: Okay, and just, just throw out a few hashtags and social media accounts on where people could find you because you are all over the place and you're posting like crazy. So, uh, if you want to find out more about the uh, Talk Texas Oil, um, where can they find that at? And also the West, West Texas Energy Consortium.
1: Right. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at, at Talk Texas Oil, no spaces, or if you're looking for the consortium, it's at WTXEC. We also um, have um, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I think Kristen has us set up on every possible social media account you could have, um, Snapchat, Periscope, <laughs> um, any of those video links, and Vimeo. Um, definitely look for Talk Texas Oil, West Texas Energy Consortium, and Talk Texas Oil did a great job with me this this past week of supporting the Permian Road Safety Coalition. So anything, anything having to do with energy, um, look for hashtag Talk Texas Oil.
0: Okay, great. Is there anything else that we need to plug or promote before we let you off today?
2: No, nope, I think we're good. Just the hashtag, uh, hashtag #TalkTexasOil and the E3 Summit 2017.
0: Okay, and again for my and, listeners, and you
2: can find and you can find the West Texas Energy Consortium on all um, social media channels if you just search at WTXCC.
0: Okay, and again for my listeners, please don't send any hate mail to them. They they just found out about this show and the enormous reach that it has. So they're they're new here, and we're we're, we're walking them along, and so. Um, but now we appreciate you guys coming on so thank much. Um, it was been fun, and um, and uh, look forward to getting tagged. Hopefully, another post uh, soon, and uh, and watching the feedback from that. But thank you guys so much.
1: Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thanks again, uh, ladies, for coming on. Really enjoyed the show, and look forward to seeing you at the E3 Summit, folks. If you're going to be in Abilene or around Abilene on that day, July 19th, would love to meet you. Let me know. Shoot me an email. Um, you can find my contact information at globalenergymedia.com contact or Twitter. You can find me at Ryan Ray Sr. Until next time, keep climbing.